you will, take your Bibles and turn to James chapter 3. James chapter 3, as I announced, most powerful member in the church. Since I've said the most powerful member in the church, it serves us well to think about our world around us. What do you think of when you think of the word power? Do you think of horsepower? Do you think of a nuclear power? Do you think of a, a car power? Do you think of a, a jet power? What is it that, you know, what is it that you think of? And yet we live in a world that's given to having to have power. If you watch the world stage, you'll understand that power brings down governments. Because somebody's in power, somebody wants the power, and there's a coup. Power brings down um, communities. Power's, power struggle brings down corporations. It brings down cultures. It even brings down churches. Because today we think about, and we think that... Uh, the one who is the strongest has power. May I just say this to us here? Never forget the principle our Lord said, in your weakness, I am strong. So my little mind tells me that when we're strong, he's weak. So tonight I want us to take a look at this about the power. The Bible teaches us about the most powerful member of the church, so we're going to talk about it tonight. We're going to begin reading in verse 1. If you want to stand to honor the reading of God's word, I'd appreciate it. If you can't, that's okay. Begin in verse 1. And James writes, Not many should become teachers, my brothers, knowing that we will receive a stricter judgment, for we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a mature man who is also able to control his whole body. Now, we put bits in the mouths of horses to make them obey us, and we also guide the whole animal. And consider ships. Though very large and driven by fierce winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So too, though the tongue is a small part of the body, it boasts great things. Consider how large a forest a small fire ignites. And the tongue is a fire. The tongue, a, a world of unrighteousness, is placed among the parts of our body. It pollutes the whole body and sets the course of life on fire and is set on fire by hell. For every creature, animal or bird, reptile or fish is tamed and has been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who are made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brother, these things should not be this way. Does a spring pour out sweet and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree produce olives, my brothers, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a saltwater spring yield fresh water. Father, take these words tonight, the words that you sent to us by our Lord's half-brother. Take these words and magnify them in our lives that we can understand what you are trying to teach us in your name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. It is true that the tongue has a great deal of power. It has power to do good. It has power to do bad. Now, anytime I'm trying to, I'm speaking on subjects like this, I always want to do something to kind of lighten the mood. 
Not because it's not true, but because I don't want you to feel like I'm beating you over the head. And so uh, I, I was reminded this week of a story that Warren Wiersbe loves to t- loved to tell. He said that the preacher had preached on the tongue one night. <clears throat> this is an old story. You've heard it. T- preacher preached on the tongue one night. And this woman came down the aisle just weeping. She put her head on her pastor's shoulder, armor on, on his back, and she said, Pastor, said, I'm guilty. My tongue has just been wagging and running and said, I want to repent. I don't want to do that. I just want to lay my tongue on the altar. And the pastor said, I don't think our altar is big enough. <laughs> yeah, that'll dawn on you on the way home. There was a doctor examining a woman, and uh, he said, Would you stick out your tongue? She stuck it out, and he picked up his script, his prescription pad, and he started writing. He wrote a prescription, he ripped it off, and he looked at her, and he said, that's okay, you can stick your tongue back in your, in your mouth. And she goes, you didn't even look at my tongue. He said, no, I just wanted you to be quiet so I could write your script. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm reminded of the men that went out on the boat, three men out on the boat. You've heard this, I've told this. They're all three men in the same church, and... And they were talking about spiritual things, and one guy said, you know what? said, the truth is, said, I have, a tr- I have trouble with lust. He said, will y'all, will y'all pray for me? Would y'all pray for me? I just, I need to get over this. Yeah, well. Second guy said, you know, I have trouble with smoking. I can't smoke where my wife sees me. I have to go and hide and smoke. And so, uh, would y'all pray with me that God will get over, God will get me through this? Yeah, we will. And so the other guy just kept fishing. And a little bit they turned to him and they said, We have just told you our deepest, darkest sin. And you haven't said a thing. And he said, Guys, my weakness is gossip and I can't wait to get off this boat. <laughs> Isn't it true that our tongue kind of can run wild and roughshod over us? The tongue possesses all kind of interesting power over us. And, and that power can be multiplied. I don't think the day ought to go by if I don't talk about how the tongue this week has really been seen through a jury who found Casey innocent. Well, they didn't find her innocent. They found her not guilty. Big difference. Now, before I say what I'm about to say, let me qualify this. With, with the knowledge that I have, it would have been a slam dunk. She's guilty. Everybody around the country, she's guilty. All I want us to be, be careful about 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 uh, talking about that is that we've been fed what the media chooses to feed us. They don't have the same restraint that the people in that courtroom. And all I want to say before you really berate that jury, they could only talk about, they could only make a decision based on what they saw in court. Obviously, they didn't see all the things that we saw. Would you agree with that? Because if they had them, it would have been a different outcome. And so the deal is it does us no good to, to berate them. That said is that their words, with their words of not guilty, they released a woman that um, most folks uh, think should not have been released. It's always tragic when a child is killed, murdered, neglected, and we should deal with that. But let us control our tongues because, you see, whether we're a president or whether we're a peon, our words are big and have power. In fact, James tells us that the mark of maturity is the ability to control your tongue. Now, I want to say that again. 
James tells us that the mark of the of maturity is the ability to control your tongue. Now, here's what I will tell you. It doesn't say it in the scripture, but it's but my lightning quick mind tells me that if the mark of the of maturity is the ability to control your tongue, the mark of immaturity is the inability to control your tongue. You see, when we read when we read this text here, we come to understand that James, who was the pastor of the church, that first church, I call it the first Baptist church of Jerusalem, that he had encountered this talking. He understood the problems, and he had seen the problems from tongue and talking. And so he presents to us in these 12 verses the power of the tongue. The most powerful member of the church is the tongue. Could I get an amen? And so I want to talk to you. I'm just going to give you four, four different powers that I believe that we need to be aware of. The first power of the tongue is the power to direct power to direct. Now, I don't think it's any accident that, that James starts by talking about teaching. Teaching. With our tongue, we teach. We direct lives. You know what? When I think about, when I think about this verse 1, you know what I'm reminded of? I believe that that is one of the places where the principle of the milestone applies. It is better for you to have a milestone around your neck than to, and to be cast in the sea than to mislead somebody. If we go over to um, Galatians 1 and verses 6 through 8, I'll just, for the sake of time, I'll just read verse 8. Paul has some severe things to say about people who mistaught. He says, but if we are an angel from heaven, that means if anybody should preach to you a gospel other than what we have preached to you, a curse be on him. You see, it is a dangerous thing to misuse the tongue because the tongue has the, has the power to shape. And when we teach, we have the responsibility as well as the task of shaping lives to whom we teach, whether they're children, whether they're young people, or whether they're not so young people. We, with our tongue, have, have the ability to teach, to lead, to guide, and direct. And it is this directing part which, which uh, um, James develops so well, and he does it in a, in, a, in a couple of ways. He gives us both, he talks about a fire, he talks about a boat. May I just tell you a personal principle that I think will, will help us? It is this. Either control your tongue or your tongue will control you. You see, direct your tongue or your tongue's going to direct you. And he gives us these he gives us these illustrations and he down in verse 3 he talks about the horses. He talks about how you we put bits. Did my mic just die? how we put bits into the mouths of horses. And we control them there, but we control the whole animal when we get to the bits, to we get the bits in, them, in their mouth. Here's what I will say to you is that we used to ride horses, show horses when I was a kid. You know what? Horses by nature do not want bits in their mouth. In fact, I remember one time I had a little Shetland pony, 
I went down to write it one day, and I couldn't get the bits in the mouth. Sugar Boy, that was his name. He just wasn't having anything to do with it. Daddy came home at lunch, which was unusual. And I said, Dad, I can't get the bits in Sugar Boy's mouth. He said, you wimp, let's go down. We went down there. My dad's a young, strong man. And do you know what that I saw the horse do? Because he did not want those bits in his mouth. Dad got, as we did, arm over the neck, those bits up there, pulling on the bridle. And that horse did not want the bits in so bad he reared up, reared up, and he fell over backwards to resist those bits because he did not want to be controlled. You know what the truth is? When you get the bits in the mouth, you control that little Shetland pony or you can control a 1,500-pound animal because now you have him under your control. You see, if you don't put bits in his mouth, you'll never control him. If we don't put bits in the mouth, in our mouth with our tongue, we'll never control it. And then it talks about the ship. You talk about those ships in those days had big sails on them. And if, and if the wind's blowing that way and you want to go that way, you had to control it by the rudder so that you could turn it from a contrary wind so you could put it on the right course. It wasn't easy. It wasn't quick. But it could be done. Now, when I think about those two illustrations about controlling the horse and driving the boat, here's what I will say to you. In both cases, you need someone who knows what they're doing. Since the Bible says that we cannot control or tame our tongue, obviously we need the master at the wheel. We need to spend time with him and let him control us. You know what it says in Proverbs about, about the tongue? Proverbs 18.21 says, Life and death are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. You see, the power has tongue to direct. It is both the bits and the rudder for your life and for my life. I ask you a question. Are you controlling your tongue, or is your tongue controlling you? Just as an aside, and to end this, is that don't forget that how you use your tongue affects the lives of others. Your words have power and they chart courses for others. And I think about this. Can you imagine how different it would have been when the woman was caught in adultery was brought to Jesus that if, it had been, if he had responded to her with words like we would have responded? Can you imagine what it would have done to that lady at the well, if he had a, come across with some prejudicial words as opposed to words and grace, if he would have done that, she would have never gone into town and said, come see a man. When I think about the words that we use, I'm reminded of those eyes of fire from this morning. Always see and always knowing. You see, folks, our words can change somebody's life can direct somebody to Jesus if we will use our mouths correctly. But not only does it have the power to direct, it has the power, as you might guess, to destroy. It has the power to destroy. It, here it begins by teaching about fire. That's the first picture, fire. 
few things are as destructive as fire. I mean, when something burns out, there's nothing left but ashes. Fire gets wild in a hurry. It gets crazy in a hurry. It gets out of control in a hurry. In fact, when I was a, a preteen, we'd gone to my grandmother's house in Columbia uh, two days after um, New Year's Day, and the guy, Larry, across the street had some fireworks left over. Well, they allowed uh, you to pop firecrackers on New Year's Day, but then it was taboo. And so Larry had this big yard out back where we played football and all this kind of stuff. And he was the big kid, so I was wanting to be cool, and I was wanting to get in on it. And so he had to open that pack of black cat uh, firecrackers. And we never could get the lighter to light like we wanted it to. And he said, okay, down in the middle of this big grass, he said, he said, let's build us a little fire. Grass was a lovely shade of brown. Wind was blowing just a little bit. We didn't know how bad it was blowing until we stacked a little grass up and we struck it and it goes, whoop! And we had to call the fire department because it went all the way on the backyard, all the way back to burn the cud those precious kudzu vines and the fence and all because once it got started, we couldn't control it. That is the nature of the tongue. Once it gets started, you can't control it. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like a fire. You know, in October 1871, O'Leary's barn caught on fire. Simple thing, right? Well, no, because they didn't get it under control. It burned all of Chicago. That is the nature of the tongue. Our words start fires that no man can put out. And when church members can't control their tongue, a fire rages that nobody ever puts out. The discord in the fellowship, damage to the gospel, the light of Christ goes out. Consider what's said in Proverbs 26. It says, without wood, the fire goes out. Without gossip, conflict dies down. As charcoal, ember, charcoal for embers and wood for life, so is a quarrelsome man for kindling strife. A gossip's words are like choice food that goes down to one's innermost being. Basically, it says, man, you want to know how to stop the fire? You want to know how to stop the discord? You want to know how to stop the trouble? Here, shut your mouth. You see, we run around people, and have you ever been around this person that wants to get, say just enough to get something started? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? They say just enough because they want to get everybody else, see if everybody else is wired for sound, and they walk off. That is ungodliness of the biggest kind. That's like striking a match and seeing if the fire is going to burn. You know what's so sad about that? Satan is all over that. Satan is all over that. And he'll use that to destroy churches, to destroy fellowships. And whether you think about it or not, to burn up lives. It's like a fire. But it's also like, he says, a wild animal. He says every creature, animal, bird, is, uh, reptile, and fish can be tamed, but no man can tame the tongue. You know, he says every animal can be tamed, but I'll take a little issue with that. I know that's God's inspired word. I remember a... I want you to, I want you to think about this. I remember a story reading a story, and then be, having it verbally told to me that a couple found a little lion cub. And they just loved that cub. It could have been my wife because 
She thinks those lions and those tigers are so cute. And they raised that cub from a little cub to where it was a couple hundred pound lion. And they treated it like their own. One day the man was sitting out in his chair under the umbrella and he had patted the lion on the head and the lion started licking his hand. Oh, it's happened many times. But you know those cats have that sandpaper tongue? Kept licking. And the man looked down at the lion and all of a sudden that lion had a little different look in his eye. And he called his wife. He said, go get our 30 off six. Put a, put a bullet in the barrel and come back quickly. She came back and this was his instructions. Shoot him between the eyes. And everybody's going, oh, you're going to kill that lovely lion? She did it without hesitation. When he turned his hand over, his hand now was oozing blood because the nature of that cat is to lick until blood comes out. And for the first time, that cat had blood, on its hand, blood in its taste and was getting ready to make a feast. You see, the truth is, left to our own nature and our tongue left to its own nature goes for blood every time. It's like a wild animal. If it doesn't have any godly restraint, it will kill. It'll kill you. You are not immune. I'm not immune. The tongue has the power to destroy. Verses 9 to 12 give us a more positive picture of the tongue. It also has the power to delight. To delight. You read there with it, we bless our Lord and our Father. You see, it gives us a good picture, and it uses two illustrations in that it says, it, it talks about it being a fountain. A fountain. Can you imagine going to a fountain expect, expecting fresh water and you get salt water? What if you were to go back here and you expect salt, uh, fresh water back here on the fountain and you start drinking and all of a sudden it's salt water? You think you'd ever go back there again? Maybe if Larry changed the fountain or something. You see, fresh water is what we need. For country folks, a fountain of water is a fountain of life. Wash in it. Swim in it, bathe in it, cook in it. It's life-giving. When you get out and get in the yard and you get sweating, you don't want a soda pop. Well, that's an old-timey word. You don't want a Coca-Cola. You want some water because it's life-giving. And that's what he says the tongue can be. It can be life-giving. John 15 says this, God's Word is a spiritual word that cleanses. The words we speak, folks, can be a river flowing through the parched life of someone that needs a positive word. It can bring life. Another thing about that, that fountain of water, that fountain, it says, can be both good and bad. Now, here's what I will say to you. The principle of leaven applies when it comes to our tongue. You know that principle of leaven, a little leaven, leavens a whole bunch? You drop a little salt in water. Has anybody ever been able to get the salt out of water without boiling it out? Because once it gets there, it will contaminate. The fountain has to be fixed. And the fountain is us. If it's going to delight, it's going to be because 
that we have gone to the master, that we have gone to the mechanic, that we've gone to the one who, who works and changes what comes out. But it also calls it, it also compares it to a tree. Did you see that? It says, uh, um, can a tree, fig tree produce olives? No, that's the answer. Can a grapevine produce figs? You see, our lives can be delightful because it can be like a tree. Have you ever thought about all the benefits of a tree? A tree gets down and gets its roots in the ground. It stabilizes the soil. It preserves. Words that we use properly, that we use to delight, can be the same way. It can, it can help us. It can help us become a happy, holy, and, and a, a healthy society. Here's the the truth, folks. If you know Christ, like I know Christ, you have those wonderful words of life that we used to sing about. And it is those words that we need not to hold and hoard, but we need to give. Never forget what Sammy Gilbreth says. Good news is only good news if you hear it in time. You see, with our tongues, we are to give good news. There is one last, there is one last benefit, one last power that it has. Now, please listen. If you've not listened before, please. The tongue has the power to disclose. While the tongue directs, while it can destroy, while it can delight, here's what I'm going to say to you. Your tongue discloses who and what you are. The Bible says, actually Jesus said, and the Bible just recorded it, the mouth speaks out of the overflow of the heart. First Peter Chapter one, chapter three. Peter is quoting from the Psalms, and he says this: "For the one who wants to love life and to see good days, must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit, and he must turn away from evil and do good." You see, the truth is, is that we have to understand that when we do evil, that the face, it goes on to say that the face of the Lord is against us. Here's the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. His ears are open to their requests. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. No one, no life can count for God. I want to say that again. No one And no life can count for God if they have a destructive tongue. When a person has a hot temper, when he has difficulty talking without blowing up, it reveals something. When every time somebody opens their mouth, they got something bad to say, it reveals who they are. You see, the truth is, there's a... There's a hymn, an old hymn that we used to sing, and a lot of you have commented about last Wednesday night and the inspiration we had of all, all songs. 
This song says, I love to tell the story. Twill be my thing in glory to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. You see the truth? We are known for what we say. We are known for what we say. If every time we open our mouth we got something negative or hard or harsh to say, that's what we're known for. Because you see, the tongue has the power to destroy. The tongue has the power to direct other people. The tongue has the power to delight. But most of all, the tongue has the power to disclose who we are. Now, because it's so serious when we come to the Lord's table, in fact, if you remember Corinthians, those who were living in sin, they partook of the Lord's table, they were, some of them died. We've been presented with some scripture, a prince, some principles, but here's my question. What are you going to do with this message? I'm told that preachers can preach whatever they want to as long as they don't expect people to live by what they preach. What will you do? Some folks are going to ignore it. Some will say, oh, preacher, you did a really good job with a really difficult subject. Some will say, Brother Jerry, if they'd have been here, you'd have gotten them. Here's what I say. We are here. And the preacher didn't get anybody. God has gotten everybody. So what will you do? Will you continue to do what you've always done and be what you've always been? Or before we come together to commemorate our Lord, and what he's done for us. Will you deal with what your tongue is even today? Let's pray.